Welcome into the Grass Cutter Social Club, a social club for the everyday. If you've ever wondered what three average guys and maybe that other random dude are buzzing about after the lawns are all mowed, this is the spot for you. Now here are your hosts, Franco, Burl, and Ron. All right, guys, episode 11, we got... We got the boys back in town. We got Branks and Ron sitting in with me again, and and this one's a special one. We got Troutface, old T-Bird, a man of many nicknames, coming in hot, ready to join us. Troutface, Darren, how you doing, buddy? Good, fellas. Thanks for having me. Super, uh, super excited to be your eleventh guest, I guess. And uh, you know, a little heartbroken. I'm not number one on the on the scorecard, but uh, happy to be here and loving it. Number one in our hearts. Nice. <laughs> no, that's sweet, man. This is awesome. And Ron and Branks, how you boys doing tonight? Just fine, just fine, and dandy. Yeah, great, great, great to have Darren on the the podcast, the real alpha to tell us what's up and what we're doing right and wrong. <laughs> that's it. Uh, and if not, he can lay a little lumber to us and uh, straighten us out. Yeah, I think uh, my best. Off track. Well, we're gonna start this off with uh, with how we all sort of came upon each other, and to be honest, Darren. My story, I'll go first because I, I really can't remember our very first interaction. And, and I try and think back to any any special moments between us. And one one comes right to the front of the dome. And uh, <laughs> and I'm worried. I'm worried it might come up in some of your stories, but I'm OK with dropping this bomb on everybody right now. It's a very special man day because I feel like. I feel like you really put your your ass on the ringer to uh, to invite us all up and and for for our listeners that don't know we we for about a decade in our in our twenties did a man day event every year where it was twenty four hours of binge drinking and debauchery and usually destruction uh, but no more so than at at Darren's uh, family plot of land where. I believe an outhouse was burned and uh, oh, yeah. a fire, a fire the size of a Volkswagen was lit to which uh, multiple pairs of shoes and boots were melted. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, almost, died, I'm almost positive your family must've, uh, must've considered cutting you out of the will after that invite. So, so I'm going to lead us, lead us off with that, that little wow. tidbit to uh, get us started. We straight up sold the property a few years later after that. Like that's 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 a done deal. They saw the debauchery and the what was left, and they're like, uh, we got to get rid of this fucking thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy one. I mean, that one was like, what was it like late October? And like, got Davy B friggin' trained in, and you guys went to pick him up in Smith Falls and drove him back. Like, yeah, it was a shit show. Oh yeah. man, that was fun times. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's where we uh, we smoked Alex out. Steve smoked Alex out of the tent with his chainsaw. Um, no, I'm like, yeah. yeah. Enright, Enright left like halfway through the night after he yeah. slept in the back of his car. Troy slept face down in the ashes. Outside the fire. fire. <laughs> and I think he melted his boots, right? Him and I both. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. You got to do like, it justice, though, Ryan. You got to do it justice. Like, Man Day wasn't – it was – it was debauchery, but we had our traditions, and there was actually quite a, a regimented day of, of traditions. Uh, you know, twenty four beers, of course, the man day miracles, the challenge logs that we had. It was steeped in tradition that day. 
and and remind me guys what was the starting time for 747 740 yeah 746 i think oh, 746 <laughs> because yeah. uh we were supposed to start at eight and then didn't jamie just pop a bottle <laughs> to get us kicked off so then it was like okay i guess we're starting at 746 and every year after that that was our uh that was yeah. our kickoff point but i do i do remember that that the one at your family's cottage darren was Hands down, one of the most destructive, and I—I I yeah. believe it was one of the last ones too. Wasn't I think it was one the last one. more after that. I think the one—it was the last one because I didn't go to that one, but I remember everybody said it was <laughs> really cold. Like I remember everybody was complaining because everybody was intense, and everybody said it was freezing cold. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like Dave, uh, Dave had like dress shoes the entire time. Like he was just <laughs> prepared. Like it was bad. Like he had hypothermia. Like, oh, it was. Like people could have died for sure. Like that. Like the reason Troy slept beside the fire was because he was so ill prepared for the elements and like needed the fire to like survive. Like it was, it was bad. It was really bad, but fun at the same time. But uh, no, um, I'll tell you how I met Branko because this story is just. I don't know. Like, how old were you, Branko? You were probably. Yeah, I was. I was talking to Caitlin, and I was. I was wondering. If- but it's actually better to hear it from your perspective because it, it, it's actually interesting that we didn't know each other at this particular moment you're going to talk about, but we then became friends through through the group that we're currently friends with, but like not knowing we had actually run into each other before. So why, why don't you tell the story? So it, it was just one of those ones. Like I came home from, I was playing junior. Um, I think I was in Winchester at the time. So I was playing junior B and uh at the time I was living at home and in the basement was my, my room. So I had like a little apartment set up down there or whatever. And so I come home, have my gear and I'm about to head downstairs. My mom's like, no, Marcy's watching a movie with Marcy is my sister is watching a movie with, with a guy. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It's my, it's my spot. Like I'm going down there. Fuck this guy. You know what I mean? So I walk down the stairs and there's, there's this guy and he stands up and I'm just like, holy shit, look at the fucking size of this guy. He's like seven foot two. I'm just like, uh-oh, what am I swan? Because I got to be this tough big brother, right? And then it, it ends up being this like ginormous human being who ends up being like the nicest human ever and just like like giggly happy to meet me. And I'm just like, well, I can't hate this fucking guy. He's too goddamn nice. He's just like right away, hey, I'm Branko. Nice to meet you. Like da-da-da-da-da. Anyways, that's, that's the first time I met Branko and – um, you know, uh, it was, it was an awkward encounter, but, uh, one that I, I will never forget. And I'm glad I met the guy cause he's a beauty of a guy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to make some crack about how, like it didn't work out with Marcy. So I traded up to Darren and it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, but yeah, it was so funny because I honestly, until you, like until we became friends after I didn't even really know it was you. Like, I don't even know how I didn't put that together. But, yeah, I just remember you telling me, like, you were, like, going to put on the tough guy act. And then you're like, yeah, this guy's just actually just really nice. And then, yeah. yeah we, ended, we ended up playing the hockey together and obviously hanging out quite a, quite a oh, yeah. lot. Um, yeah, good memories. And lots of that you were laid off or the plant was shut down. And I obviously was, like, basically, like – slumming around and me and you would drive up to La Sorcia and play a couple of rounds of golf a week. Oh yeah. That was sick. Um, th- th- that one summer, that was good times. Yeah. The two for ones at La Sorcia. That was sick. <laughs> yeah. 
that was sick. for the unemployed. Yeah, didn't you like, like forge them? Yeah. Like they're just like paper copies. And I think you like printed off like a whole whack of them. And we just went like every like Wednesday or something like that and played Le Sorcier for two for one. So it was like 35 bucks for us to go golf this sick golf course. The, awesome. the, the good old days. Yeah. 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 Not like and that anymore. Thing, no. No. And Ronnie, Ronnie and I go way back. We go back. I don't even know what started to talk with Ronnie. We go with the tooth chipper or, or what. But, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, the, the McDonald tooth chipper. But, uh, <laughs> no, the, the one that I always tell about Ron, and I don't even know. Um, so there's a backstory to it, which which was, makes the story even like more hilarious. Is So I'm working at this point. I'm, I'm pretty much done college. I think I'm still playing junior and I'm dating Ali at the time. And a couple of weeks prior, my employer at the time told me this story about how his daughters were like being pulled over by like these fake cops. It was like a kind of like a scary story. And so um, I, it, you guys know where Ali lived and I live were like three blocks from each other. So I'm just driving home with my parents. I think it's the PT cruiser at this time. That's sick, sick PT cruiser. And, uh, all of a sudden there's this like Impala on my ass, like on my ass. And I'm like, what? Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, it, it's gotta be a cop. Like, so I'm stopping doing all the right things. And it's just, it's just tailing me, tailing me, tailing me. I'm like, what the fuck? So I drive past my house and then do like loop around and it's still following me. Like I'm going down like back streets now. Like I've gone past my house. I'm two or three blocks away. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, it's not pulling me over. So it can't be a cop. Like what's going on? So I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I think I'm about to get pulled over, but I'm not sure it's a cop. So she turns on the outside lights and I pull up and I drive into the driveway. <laughs> and it's, I don't even remember what you said, but like it, he just slowed down in the Impala and like rolled down his window. I know it was like something like, fuck you, Trent home or something along those lines and just sped off. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was Ron fucking Hall. And then I got a text like two days later, like, hey, do you like that car behind you or whatever? I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like sweating buckets. Like some dude just chased me down in an Impala and it ended up being my buddy Ronnie. Like, you fucking guy, you. Like, it was awesome. Like, oh, my God. I was going to tell the same that. story. And it was, it was so brilliant from my end because <laughs> it's exactly how you described it. You were just driving a short way. I was coming down Chesterton and I knew it was you. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to follow him to his house. And then when he pulls into the driveway, I'm going to, you know, say hello, whatever, drive off. I didn't live far from Darren's parents there either. But when you drove by your own house, I knew, I knew that you were like, what the fuck's going on? And like, you're starting to get agitated because like you started to speed up and then you slow down. Then you turn last minute, like you're trying to lose me. And then it just was just the, one of the best. <laughs> you, you you got me bad, man. Like you, I, I had no idea what you. A PT cruiser and a nice uh, what late nineties Impala, yep. ripping through the ripping through the hood, trying to lose each other like, uh, yeah. like some action movie. Yeah, it was, and it was like one thirty at night too. Like it wasn't like it was like nine o'clock at night. It was like middle of the night. It was late. It was late. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, other than that, though, T Bird, I got it. Like, I mean, it was obviously hockey that brought us together. Yeah, super young. I don't remember. Like, I think the first team we played on together might have been Patty Higgins' team. Probably, yeah, um, it's probably. So what? Might have been 
Yeah. And I just remember that team was like, that team was incredible. We might've lost one or two games all regular season of a 35 game regular season. And I just remember when that team was being formed in the tryouts, um, it was this weird thing where I don't know if that was like the first year of Sting or there's something happened in double A where you used to play all your years. And that year you and a couple of other like really solid, you know, top of the competitive chain players dropped down to a, and I just remember hearing these tales of Darren Trenholm and this, this soft silky mitts that he had on him. Uh, and the stories were true. You're a hell of a dangler. Always will, always will be. And, uh, yeah, man, we've had a lot of good time. I remember that that team, and that that was the year where like, Brendan Sarazen came up too, who ended up going to like RIT Div One sick hockey player. But that was the year. Um, it was the year after my my dad actually passed away, and um, it was Mike Goddard was the coach up in the Double A, and Fran, we had Frangioni, Sarazen. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of other guys. That was that was a nasty team. That that was good. Yeah. I remember that that we put a lot of points up that year. It was uh, it was good, and then uh, you know, you know, I was lucky enough to to play a little bit in junior A, a little junior B, and you know, some good stories there. But yeah, no, that was that was a fun year for sure. Good, good segue, right? Oh, I was just about to say, Branks is coming in hot with the hosting duties. What a segue for us, because this is leading us like. I was so surprised, Darren, when we reached out to you about this and you said that you were free every night. And we know, well, we know from our ball seasons and our, and our you know, chats at, at Broadway's through the winter how busy you are and your schedule and how full it is with Gavin's stuff. And I guess, like, so as a teacher, I'll admit, I got to be pretty woke. Like, when I talk to the kids, it's got to be super, like – with mom in mind. Cause when mm. I get those mama bear emails about, you know, you said this and you did that and it's like, Oh my God. Like it was just kind of a joke and an offhanded thing. And like, so I really do have to watch my P's and Q's. And the thing that I'm most curious about is, is sort of a, like what's your schedule like when you guys are in the heat of the season and how busy are you coaching um, Gavin's hockey and, and all this extra stuff that you're doing with him. And then, be like when you're coaching these kids, you don't have the the professional commitment that obviously I do where it's like, oh, this guy's canned, like get him out of here. Um, like you get to talk to these kids a little a little fast, a little loose. Like what's that, yeah. what's that like when you're dealing with these 10-year-olds? Well, to the first part, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. I'm actually right now in the middle of a heated battle with uh, Cam H.A., because we're off for five days and I'm fucking pissed and um, I'm not happy with schedule. So I've been going back. Like I've been, if you, if, if you could see some of these emails going back and forth, I can be pretty condescending. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of battling the president right now and the ice scheduler. And anyways, that's not here nor there, but yeah, we're usually on the ice like three, four times a week, but you know, um, I'm a, I'm a believer in letting kids play like a variety of things. Like I don't think kids should be a specialized uh, athlete, uh, especially at this age, they should be playing like everything, get your hands, feet, everything, hands dirty. Um, But there are a lot and I'm seeing it now 
um, specialized kids and they're on the ice six, seven days a week, sometimes two a day. It's like I have kids coming to my ice time. We'll have a practice, say six o'clock at night and they're just getting there for six because they're already doing like power skating before. And um, so, yeah, Gavin is actually um, tame compared to some of these, some of these other kids. But what Gavin has that some of these kids don't have is just like um, natural ability. You know, um, both Laura and I were once sporty people. So that kind of helps in like the development. Like he already has like a sense of the game and he's already coordinated, has good hand eye, that kind of stuff. So it's like we don't really do crazy extra stuff, um, but some do. But like our hockey season, yeah, it's like three to four, three to four nights a week. Um, but I love it. Darren, are you head coach or are you assistant coach or what's, what's your, yeah. Yeah. So to the second part of Burl's question, I'm, my situation is unique in that I don't think there's anyone else that could replace me if I did fuck up. So the team would just, like a, a dad would just have to come in and take over and just be like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So I have a little more leash. I don't know if it's a good thing, um, but um I used to do this right when I was 18. Like I started when I was 18 coaching this same age group, um, but my cousin with the Titans and that that's like a high end now, AAA organization and, and whatnot. So it's not new to me. What is new is the connection, right? Like now my kids in it, I'm coaching my kid. So I ha- it's a different perspective when you start coaching. Cause you, I find myself getting engaged more emotionally in the game like watching gavin and being like oh fuck skate harder or something you know it's like no no i gotta coach the team i can't just coach gavin right Mm -hmm. so um and i'm very big on that like that's why i have i got really good assistance that i don't i try not to coach gavin like i got this guy mac uh, trevor hop i played with in junior a um and stuff like that that like they deal with gavin and i deal with their kids like so there's not like a dad moment you know what i mean um, cause there's obviously the car rides, you know, like we all had growing up dad giving you shit or praising you, whatever it is in that car ride. Right. But, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's different now. Like, like you said, bro, like, I, I don't know if it's woke or if it's more like, I don't know if we're sensitive to, to kids feelings, um, more so now than we were before. Like you look at a guy like Brian Kilray, right. And he coached like 16 to 20 year olds. I don't know if a coach like that will, would survive today very long. You know what I mean? Like, I think he'd get Babcocked pretty quick. Yeah. Um, like yeah. someone's going to record him or something. He's going to say something wrong. Um, have I slipped up and sworn the dressing room with these kids? Yeah. And I've apologized like in the moment. Um, but one of the biggest things is, is like, I have a, I have a girl on the team. I have a female and like, you know, you got to be conscious of saying things like, all right, boys, like, let's go boys. Like you can't say that. Right. It's like, let's go blazers or let's go team, you know, cause you got to be inclusive and it's, it's a hard thing to get used to, but it's, it, once you do, it's, it's like just changing a vocabulary, right? Like it's, it's, it sounds harder than it really is, but it's a conscious effort. And if you make that conscious effort, it's not nothing crazy, but I've had my moments where like, Hey, are you, am I getting through to you? Like blink your eyes at me if you're understanding what I'm saying. Like, it's good exactly yeah yeah a little glazed over you have that glazed over look it's like i'm not leaving this conversation until you literally like give me some sign of life like literally blink your eyes like blink twice so i know you're understanding me because you know kids you know they check out and they're nine years old right like 
they're not I mean, robots as much as we want them to be. They're not. <laughs> I think. Yeah, they're still. I think the big difference, and like, I think any of you can chime in on this, but like the big difference for teachers in the classroom and for coaches now is like there's almost an expectation of like we have to be friends or like we have to work on our friendly relationship whereas like when i when we grew up it felt like if you stepped through the classroom door it was like the expectation is this person's in charge of the room and in charge of the space and there's that professional sort of line and it was the same with our coaches too right like you couldn't the idea of like talking back or rebuting or rolling your eyes or sort of shrugging your shoulders or turning and like waving your hands at somebody being like, what, what did I do? And it, like all that is kind of becoming more and more prevalent. And I think it's because of the way we have to build relationships where we have to be friendly and be kind and be conscious of, uh, of that sort of thing. And, and it really blurs, you know, how I, you know how do you be the boss and how do you tell them like go faster go harder like you're not trying it's clear you're not trying hard enough right and i, I was like, like it, 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 i'm in a unique situation like i said but also like our association is, is is a small one like i had 30 kids three of which were goalies try out for a team of 17 players right and we're yeah. playing against like associations like nepean and the uh auto valley selects or uh, ovss who have like 100 120 kids trip for one team you know what yeah. i mean so right. we're like we're doing really well and and to get to your point ryan where like you draw that line it's like well that's expectations i think that you set with the parent um like i straight up every beginning of the year again this year had a meeting with the parents like it's protocol anyway but i tell them straight up i, I literally said this year like i miss covid in that i don't ever want to talk to you I don't ever like I have no business, no reason to talk to a parent. I don't care how old the kid is, like there's really no reason for me to ever associate their play or their game with a parent unless there's an issue like in the room or like a personal issue. Right? Like I, I'm not there to 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 I don't really care how the parent feels. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there for the I'm there for the player, and I'm there for the seven, 16 other kids on the Canada Blazers, right? I don't I don't really care if, you know, Bobby's dad has a problem with his ice time. I I don't care. I that's just I, it's it's the way I've been ingrained. And if you don't like it, well, there's the door, and you can take your kid and leave. I, and I mm -hmm. take that hard line, and um, we preach two things. There's only two things you can control in in this world really it's your attitude and your effort and that's what our coaching mantra is and you work your ass off for us you're going to get rewarded and you you keep that positive you know like you said ryan no slouching of the shoulders no shrugging like staying engaged and you're going to get your comeuppance you're going to get your rewards you're going to get that extra ice time you're going to get you know when the situation is on the line you know i can trust you because i know your attitude's there and your efforts there and you're going to do what it takes and i think it's it's you can still be that hard guy. Like I'm very hard. I'm very strict. I know it. The players know it. The parents know it, but I'm fair, right? Like that's where, that's where if, if you're strict and fair, there's not really a problem. But if you're strict and unfair, then you get into that, that gray area, that problematic area. And it's like, I don't know, man, like I, I, maybe I'm delusional and maybe parents are actually scared of me and don't actually tell me what they feel. But again, I really don't care. Um, 
but I'm just, I'm just that way. Like I'm strict, but I'm fair, mm-hmm. you, you know, like, um, last game, you know, we were up three, two in the last minute and, uh, I pulled off arguably our best player because he was having a defensively horrible game and Gavin went out the door, you know, like he played his off wing. Like I took a left wing off to put Gavin, who's a centerman on left side because I could trust him. And he was, he was having a hell of a defensive game. So it's like, it doesn't matter who you are, you earn it. And it's that game, you know, like, and it's a good life lesson. It's like, you want something, go get it. Like if you want anything in this world, you can have it, but you got to fucking work for it. And if we just keep giving it to them because it's expected, well, look at our work and generation now. Don't get me fucking started, but yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what it is. Right. And it's we're not going to go there with it, like, you know, and it, like, I think part of it too is like, we're not, if, if I'm, if you're coaching to coach kids to go to the NHL or whatever, like you're, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Like if I'm trying to coach to win at U10A, like the highest level in Ottawa at U10, if I'm coaching because I won a city championship, I got to get my head fucking head checked because no one cares. I'm just trying to make these kids better, not only at hockey, but in life skills and like, you know, discipline, self-respect, those things. And, um, you know, we're 12 and five, 12, five and two or something like that, where we have the longest winning streak, you know, of the season in the whole league we're 901 in our last 10 so like you know we're doing something right as a staff and as a team and you know it's not all about wins and losses but the efforts there and we're not the most talented team by far but we fucking work hard and that's on the that's on the players that's on the kids like they believe in it nice. and they work for it and you know proofs in the pudding nice nice can i ask do you find most parents um are kind of receptive to that message and like you know by the time you're midway through the season now like they're kind of allies in your corner or you um or is it kind of pulling i don't really know because like i said ron to be honest with you i think i've probably said like three words to some parents all year long really i don't i don't like see i I come from um like when i first started i learned some hard lessons because we things used to be done differently right like you used to cut a kid like Ron, when we played or Branko, you too. Um, yeah. Bro, I don't know how they did it with like rugby and stuff like that for you. But like you sat at a table with your parent and then the coach and an executive board member and they told you whether you made it or didn't. And so my first year um, was all right. My second year, um, which happened to be the third year that I coached some of these kids because I coached spring with them before winter. Um we had to release a couple kids that we had had for three years. And my uncle had made really good friends with the parents. And when that time for the cuts happened, there's obviously like, I was in tears. My uncle was in tears. Like the whole staff was in tears because it was emotional. Right. Um, but the parents like unleashed on my uncle, like personal shit and wow. inappropriate stuff but the emotion got the best of them. Right. And so I've always like, that's always stood out to me. So I've kind of made a conscious effort to not get involved with parents to make that relationship because, you know, there might be a time where I have to release that kid if I'm still coaching these kids at that time. And I don't need to have that personal relationship because they may not mean what they're going to say, but they're going to say it. And it's a situation that they're going to regret. I might regret things. And it's just, it's not, it's not really worth it. It's just not worth having that. Like I can still be like, we're still cordial to each other. We still say hello. We do those things, but like actually like sit down and have beers in hotel rooms and stuff like that. That's not me. And I, I stay away from it. Like I don't go near it. Like, really? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't go near, I stick with my staff 
my staff mostly. And then, um, you know, when Lauren and Lauren and them are around, but like Ron and, and Burl and Branko, like baseball. So I've just started coaching baseball. Gavin just made the, the competitive team last year. Yeah. And I'm assistant coach again. I'm assistant coach for the first time this year. Um, I used to coach like rec with them, but what a difference. I don't understand what, like it, it's a, it's a Canadian mentality that hockey is this like supreme sport because baseball yeah. three quarters of these kids are all hockey kids but like you go to an out-of-town tournament and you're you're pat, like fuck you're pounding beers with these people they're shooting the shit like it's so like chill really yeah yeah, yeah. Like these same mm. parents you know have the potential to be those crazy parents in hockey you know what i mean like you never wow. you would never do the things you know i just find it weird i, I don't know why and I've had those conversations with Lauren and it's, it's, it's weird. Like I just see it. It's just a different, and I don't know why, like they're both competitive sports. You know what I mean? It's like, they're not just there for fun. We're there to kind of win and do well and compete. Um, but it's weird how hockey just has this like stigma or this like aura. Around right. it. Hockey, the, the hockey dynamic is different too. Cause it's, it's like so much of it is opportunity. Like you said, like, um, you know, you, you might be able to make a team, but then in, you know, the coach could favor play some kids more because they're better and you just want them out there in the more important situations. Whereas baseball, it's more like meritocracy. Like you, you kind of get your chance and when it's your chance to bat, and if you make hay, that's great. And then if you keep making hay, you'll get moved up. And if you don't, you'll get moved down. Whereas hockey is like, it, it, to me, it's always seemed like a sport filled with like politics, right? Uh, it, yeah. it seems, it yeah. seems that, I suppose parents are involved with that association and like their parents, parents. And, um, you know, that's probably why. And, it, and it's also like, it's outside it's summer. I feel like in the winters, you're all cooped up in those cold ass rinks. You just, <laughs> it would make anybody go crazy. Yeah. Well, that, that's the one thing was like walking around and experiencing my first competitive baseball tournament last year. And like Lauren and I are walking around these, these ball fields, like, look at that setup. Look at that fucking hibachi. Look at this little wagon with like the mixed drink bar. Like we have all these ideas for this year because it's just like, it's just awesome. Like it's, I, I don't know. Like I'm like, Gavin, give up hockey, man. Let's play some baseball. Like let's get going here. Fuck, nice. All right. nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I got to add to this though? And, and you made me think of this, Branko. Like you're right. There's definitely that element in hockey where there's a potential for favoritism. But I'll say this, and I doubt you guys will disagree with me. When you play on those teams and growing up when you played on those teams, you everybody knows the skill level of all their teammates. You're on the ice so much. You know who's better. You know who's playing better. And, like, the issue with that, you know, the, the, the line that's out there in the last minute of the game, the issue is with – the parents in the stands. 100%. It's not the other players on the bench. I, and I, I, Darren, I, tell me if I'm wrong with your team at all, but I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's anybody on that bench that doesn't see it the same way in the moment, and they just want to win a game, and they don't care about whether they're on the ice there or not. You tell me if you ever sat on that bench, because I've sat on the bench, but at the end of that, when that buzzer goes off, and then you're throwing your, your helmet and gloves in the air because you just won a championship, did you really care you run on for the last 15, 20 seconds? didn't give a shit didn't yeah. give a shit just exactly. i'm a champion you can't take that from me you know so and, and you're 100 right it's the parents that make the deal of it because the kid the kids a know you're absolutely right they know who the skilled the skilled and talented individual is but b man they just 
at the end of the day, they just want to win. Like we're coming from four on four hockey last year where you didn't keep score. You played two half ice games and the scoreboard was always zero zero, but you come off the ice and they knew if they won or lost, they, they, they counted the score themselves. Mm -hmm. So as much as like, you know, it doesn't matter to the kids. It still does to those competitive ones. It does. They know how they've competed. And so like, let them have their reward, let them have their comeuppance, let them, let them enjoy it. And don't, don't bring it down because, oh man, Billy should have been on the ice for the last minute of that hockey game. Well, who cares? Billy's a champion right now. And that's all Billy cares about. Like, grow up. Good for Billy. Yeah, yeah go, 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 Billy. Yeah, hell yeah. Go, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> and Darren, that's great, man. And it's it's great that, that you're so willing to take on because it is so much extra work, right, in your in your day-to-day life to have to put that team together and, and, and do all that extra stuff to make sure – that your guys are ready for for your travel travel tournaments oh, yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah. uh, we sort of tip our hats to you because we know we know the amount of work that uh, that goes into that stuff for Gav and and no, it's fun. We don't we don't we we miss you at ball, but we, we don't begrudge <laughs> you you know doing yeah. that extra stuff with uh, with your son and yeah. and how much no, all, you, all you guys are going to be going through it. Don't you worry, you're all going oh, through yeah. it. Like I don't know Ron with your little ones if they're doing softball again or what they're doing, but you were in there in the trenches for a bit too. So, oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. One, one summer anyway. Yeah, yeah. You guys want to do uh, some would you rather's? Yeah, let's let's do finish it. off the sports. Go, go one or two at us. Sure. Yeah. So uh, let's let's hit the the first one because we're all. I'm kind of curious about big sweaty here, but. Uh, would you rather? Would you rather play football in like minus ten, where you need those hands and you need those feet moving, and you want to be able to feel your toes, but you can't anymore? Or would you rather play tennis in a hundred degree, hundred degree heat? So, are you trying to hold that tennis racket in the palm of that sweaty hand and not throw it over the fence, swinging, swinging to put one <laughs> over, the, over the net? So, let's see what you guys think. You you playing in the cold or you playing in the heat? I'm I'm going for the snow. I'm going for the football yeah. game in the minus ten in the snow. It just makes me think of back with like elementary school days playing a football yeah. game. Like those were the best, man. Just running around and sloppy. Or soccer that turned uh, into football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needs his hands. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Ron. Man, like I'm playing I'm playing foosball all the way. Like I know I know Big Sweaty over there is going tennis because he's fucking gigantic and two steps gets him from baseline to baseline, but. Um, <laughs> And he's probably really good at it. But that's the other part is I suck at tennis. I fucking suck. And I don't like doing things I'm not good at. So it's 100% football. (laughs) (laughs) The fair weatherness. Like I'd rather be hot than be like freezing cold. I hate being uncomfortably cold. Like I can tolerate being hot, but being really cold. And then on top of that, you just get beat up by a bunch (laughs) of other people. And they're just, you know, trying to hurt you. Like when you get hit in cold weather, it hurts so much more than the 20 degrees. Like it just reverberates through your whole body. So I'm choosing tennis. Now we know why Branko didn't go in corners in hockey. Yeah. I'll admit like my years of playing rugby, if it was mud and rain, God, I'd be playing in that. That's the, that is so much fun sliding around in the slop, but in the snow and in the cold, when you need your hands, it is, brutal and you really feel the eyes of your teammates on you if you drop a pass in that cold because everybody just wants to keep the ball moving right you're all just kind of 
relying on each other. And I will say like, there's something fun about working so hard that you sweat through a shirt and you almost need a second one, you know, like, um, we did two a days for years and, you know, standing as a group and wringing out your shirts and just seeing like how much, how much fluid you're dropping is unbelievable when you're all standing there together, knowing how hard you worked. And, and so, you know what, you know, in this question, I'm taking the heat. I'll, I'll sweat it out and lose a little water, drink it back up. <laughs> okay. Let's get, uh, let's get another one going here. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. So what is worse? Is it worse to hit the post in a hockey game? Big game, small game, any game, uh, and you really want that goal, or a sure home run drifts just foul, like inches, maybe a foot, just foul, and you're you're sure it's a homer. So, what's worse, the the ring of the iron or uh, watching that ball drift, drift, drift? This is an easy one, man. Yeah. It it's it's the home run <laughs> because it's the anticipation. You know, a shot in hockey rings off the post in a second, and that that sucks, whatever. But hitting a ball down the line, and you have to wait for it, and then if it just goes foul at the end, that that's killer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, Darren's hit a home run. I don't. Uh, you know, one. Maybe Burrow <laughs> Franco having an experience with that. I was one. waiting for you to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got turned exactly. around by one pretty good, but old third base chopper's yeah. not uh, not dreaming of that. <laughs> yeah it's it's a hundred it's a hundred percent hitting hitting the hitting it foul especially like, like you said like you in baseball you fail more than you succeed right so you know to to come that close and to actually strike a ball that well that it almost leaves the yard that's that's heartbreaking because a guy like me who just puts balls in play uh isolate that one um is just like uh, <laughs> is uh you know it just never happens. So to come so close and then just be like, oh, for fuck's sakes and try and do it again, like psh, not a chance. So I'm, hitting, I'm saying hitting the ball is the hardest. Yeah, agreed. Baseball is like hitting a baseball hard and far is like just hard in and of itself. And then on top of that, to, to like wallop one and just see it like scooch by where in most cases there'd be a home run, but it's like left of this arbitrary, well, not arbitrary, but this like, you know, uh, foul post and it goes left and it's just actually bad for you. It, it counts as a strike. Like it, it couldn't be more infuriating. <clears throat> All right. And then uh, I'm going off show. I'm going off, off the list for the last one for us. Cause I, I thought of it today and it was one of those shower thoughts this morning where I was like, Oh, where is this that'd going? be a good one. <laughs> so, um, the, I might have to explain one of these events, but I wonder which one you think is harder to accomplish and which one is, a, I guess, a bigger accomplishment. So the first choice is climbing Mount Everest. That's the winner. Or, or <laughs> completing, <laughs> completing the Iditarod race, which yeah. is, a, is a 10-day race across Alaska, dog sled race across Alaska. So you have to survive in the cold for basically 24 hours at a time for 10 days in a dog sled race. 
or you get a, a handful of Sherpas to carry your ass up, <laughs> up Mount Everest for seven weeks. So uh, which one do you guys think is the bigger accomplishment? The Iditarod oh, race or no, the Mount man. Everest climb? What are we talking about? You're climbing yeah. up the highest mountain. Like you could, you could have every Sherpa and all the oxygen you could ever want, and you still have to like <laughs> climb to a place like to a height on earth that literally you're dying as you're like, like existing there. It's absolutely mind boggling that people would want to climb Mount Everest as like a sport. Like it's, it's absolutely nuts. I will ride, I will ride dogs in Alaska for all of Everest. How many people have died? That's saying a lot from a guy who doesn't like to be cold. Hey man. I've watched enough documentaries and shows on climate Everest. That is some spooky shit. And not not to mention it's like way overcrowded. Like it's like, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there's no chance. No chance. Yeah. Well, that was kind yeah, of like why I was it. thinking about it is it feels like there's lots of people either trying to do it or doing it, right? Like if we look at the percentage of the planet where like the Iditarod race, it seems like there's really only 10 guys that even want to think about doing this thing year over year and and it's the same one or two or three that that are going to finish in the top three every year so um it just seemed to me like almost the the dog race seems more of a challenge or like more of a rare a rare feat to accomplish compared to everest but i guess i'm wrong yeah well no i mean you gotta be crazy for both of them i think uh it's like like I, that's what I was wondering. How many people finished the Iditarod? Is it? I I don't know how exclusive it is, but yeah. to hear you say, maybe only a few guys. But I don't know how many people died during the Iditarod. If that's a thing, I, I guess that's a good point. There's like it says here. There's like over two hundred dead bodies on Everest. So seems well, like, like yeah. People don't like they'll they'll climb like what three quarters of the way and they'll never actually summit just because of weather. Like you know what I mean? Like it's. I don't know. There's so it's, many factors. It's crazy too because, like, not only do you have to climb it, it's not like a straight shot up. Like, you have to go up to Camp One, come back up to Camp Two, back to Camp One, back to like you have to like climb it a, like way more than just straight up climbing because you have to climatize to each like camp, Elevation. and then eventually yeah. you get to Camp Four, and then if if you're lucky enough and the weather's good enough, you know, you shoot up and they, and it's like only for like a month in the summer, like in May, I think is when like the, the climbing season is because the rest of the year, the weather's so fucking unpredictable and crazy. You, it, it's like a death sentence basically. And, and mm. there's so much, yeah, it's, there's so much work that, that goes into it and it's like a, a complete crapshoot. And like you physically might not be able to handle it because you can get like, um, I can't remember the sickness, like uh, acute mountain sickness. It's like you just you 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 can't produce enough. I think white blood cells to breathe. Like your just body starts shutting down, and they ha- you have to get like literally off the mountain as fast as possible, or you're gonna die. Like it's insane. Good question. Yeah, I tried. I tried. My shower thoughts this morning. Seriously, what, what I'm dro- I'm dropping on you guys. So, with that, guys, we're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back in uh, just a minute. Are you one of those lucky few people who get to hit the alarm clock snooze endlessly? Not getting up and getting your day started? Do you wish you could jump out of bed, work out, and get some stuff done? Be productive, maybe? 
Well, do we have a solution for you. It's time to rent a kid. These little gremlins will wreak havoc all over your home until you're forced to spring out of bed and stop them from destroying all of your valuables. Try it for a week or two, build a new routine, and all of a sudden your life and mornings will change for the better. After your rent-a-kid term is up, you'll be springing out of bed at any creak, crack, or noise. In fact, you'll probably never sleep soundly again. So rent-a-kid and get your morning routine started like you've been shot out of a cannon. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is not good. Not a good start. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around for the break, and we are back. We are we're doing something, um, something we've done before, but we're we're looking for something new to chat about. So we're doing another fantasy draft, but this time we're not drafting action movies or movies. What we are drafting today is villains. We are drafting the bad guys, the worst of the worst, and who we think is the best of the worst because we think it's it's going to be funny for us to chat about why we love to hate these characters. And uh, and getting us kicked off, actually, it's going to be our guest. Well, Troutface is going to gonna take the one of one, no pressure. He's got to obviously pick the worst of the worst, but he's going to go first, and then we got Ron second. Uh, me third and then Branko's at the turn so he gets to pick two in a row and then we'll work our way back around to uh to Darren again so Darren buddy one of one who you got who you like oh man thanks for putting me on the hot seat but uh that's right um this this was a tough one like I I was looking at it but I, I was looking at it from like a different angle right like I was looking at it from the angle like in in respect of like acting ability and and all that kind of stuff too right like i wasn't like just looking at the actual premise from for me like uh the joker like a heath ledger like that to me is like unbelievable villain unbelievably portrayed that that that's my number one guy right there uh, if you go villain for me that that was my one of one absolutely excellent choice just as a character, right? And like, yeah, he works so well because he's the antithesis Batman. He, like Batman needs him, and he needs Batman, and it just works yeah. so well that the two can go back and forth. Yeah, no, I, like, and, and even you think about all the other guys, like Jack Nicholas and all those guys that that did him, right? That played that character, but then you look at the way Heath did his, and it was just like, it, it, it like. When you when you like make jokes about it or like reenact it, you don't reenact it to anyone else but Heath Ledger, right? Like, yeah, how did yeah. you get these scars? You know what I mean? Like, all that shit. It's just like that guy, that character, that person. You know, like I don't know. It just it just like when you when we we talked about this topic or whatever, and it was like, you know, do I even have to Google anything for number one or number two? Like, number one to me is is that now that that's where I'm at. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with my. Uh, my Sidney Crosby pick. That's a that's a winner <laughs> pick. That's a winner. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty easy in my book. Ron's gonna drop the ball here though because he was just googling his villains. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the first round is they're all gonna be obvious picks, of course. And for me, I, I was thinking about this from part of the sweet thing about a villain is their demise and how enjoyable it is when they are 
you know, finally going down and vanquished and whatnot. And nothing is sweeter than when that piece of shit little twat King Joffrey went down in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Unbelievable. Oh, man. He, he just... He just left you in rage after some of those episodes, right? So when he finally got poisoned, it was just, just the sweetest thing he ever did see. So I'm you going. Know, to you know, it's like personally, I never really watched any of those shows, but I actually watched that episode where that guy died. You know what I mean? And it was like everyone talked about it, like this. Oh, he fucking he died! Like that, and it was pretty crazy because, like, for a guy who doesn't, I don't watch a lot of shows, right, and stuff like that, or movies, and. uh that one, just the fact that you pick that as number two, and I've actually seen it and not watched any of that stuff is like fucking wild. To there me, it's go. wild. Like that, that's a pretty good one. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was an easy one to hate. He loved it. Yes. Him. Yeah, he was a douche. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm coming in number three, and oh, I'm worried that I'll be the one to drop the ball. But I had to sort of turn to, to who writes – who writes some of my favorite characters and, and, and yeah, the characters that I love to hate. And I turned to Tarantino because some of his characters are just so memorable. And I got to go with, with Hans Lambda of the inglorious bastards and the, the, um, the Jew hunter from those movie from that movie. And his character is just unbelievable. And, you just hate him. You grind his teeth and he surprises you at every turn. And the way he goes down to is so fantastic, right? When Brad Pitt gets to carve the swastika into his forehead and basically pass him off and like, no, you can go ahead and live, but you get to live with this. And uh, Just an unbelievable demise to a character that was charming, but vile, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so I just felt so memorable. So yeah, I'm going with Hans Lambda for my uh, my third third pick. That guy's a great actor too, like in all his yeah, stuff. Yeah, hundred percent agree. He does some good stuff. So uh, yeah, Franks, buddy, you got the fourth, and then you got the turn. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll go with number one um is sort of like a, a bit of a chalk pick we've talked about this movie in a in another uh, one of our podcasts but i'm gonna go with t1000 the the bad guy in terminator 2 that's played by robert patrick i just feel like uh he's the guy in my like nightmares like he's the scary bad guy like super like serious mean face he's dressed as a cop like you can't really kill him with like by shooting him and there's that scene where he like can morph and he gets those little claw hands and he's just running after the car. Like you can't think of anything scarier than trying to like pin it in your car and a guy can like almost run as fast as your car can drive. So uh, chased by Ron and Impala. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For, for me, for me, what was scary about him was every time he got shot, he just like expand and then melt back into form. It was like oh, bullets can't stop him. Like, yeah, he's like, a, he's like a shapeshifter too. So like, you don't even know if he's a bad guy. Like it just, his demeanor. I remember, especially as a kid, I, I saw that movie as like an eight or nine year old. 
um like that that like imprinted itself on my brain like i was like that is a scary dude you know like just kind of like a cop like very serious face you're like you do not want to mess with this guy so that that's my uh that's my first pick of my back-to-back and then i'm gonna go with a a little more light-hearted villain and one that we all enjoy to quote from time to time is uh shooter mcgavin uh, <laughs> he's just I mean, he's just a quintessential, like, villain. He just hams it up. Like, he's just the opposite, complete opposite of your hero, uh, your protagonist. He, you know, he he really knows how to get under your skin. He kind of plays, like, the, you know, old white guy that's really rich and, like, can't, can't be bothered by things that are, like, beneath him. And, like, he just feels like everything is given to him a silver spoon. And he just eats it so good at the end. Uh, and just so many good lines from that movie. Uh, you know, shooter, shooter is a, is a one of a kind, and somebody we we like love to like kind of act like, but also uh, just just see the the greatness in his acting to to be such a a dick, you know. Um, but yeah, that that's my that's my second second choice. I love it. I was hoping he'd come it. back around. No, that's a that's a great pick, and I love that you dipped into sports because. To be honest, I really didn't think that much about any sports movies, but that is a fantastic villain. And you you love to hate that guy too. He oh was a shmarmy, nasty. And like at the end of the movie when they're all chasing him down and then they they just sort of pan away and you just hear him screaming like, ah, ah, as he's getting beat up. It's like such a perfect way to end it. Just his uh, butt kick. That's fantastic. I think I think my next pick is Chalk. Um, the reason I I'm picking him is because I feel like uh, he participated in a lot of my nightmares as a kid. But it wasn't really that um, he was overly like scary or terrifying. It was just the intimidation factor that this villain had. And and as soon as I say it, you guys are gonna know who I'm picking. But it's it's that deep breath that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and I hear it when I'm sleeping, and it's like, oh, oh. But it's it's Darth Vader just slowly walking, cutting fools down, cutting guys down, and like, and the fact that Star Wars keeps sort of dipping back to Darth Vader, right? Like they've almost started rewriting movies and shows to go back to the timeline that Darth Vader was in because he's so good at being bad that they can't let him go and yeah darth vader is my chalk villain for my uh sixth pick not bad i mean he you know he's arguably one of one too um yeah the the anyway uh okay where am i going here all right i got a few on list here i was really hoping i was gonna be able to take shooter um but let's go a little further down and we're going to go with agent Smith from the matrix. Oh, nice. Yeah. When Neo finally just, you know, demonstrates that he's faster than agent Smith and that moment in that movie, when the tides turn and Neo's the King and it's just right. It's just so sweet that moment so going with agent smith for my uh, second second round choice 
Yeah, and his the way he talks too, like his cadence, the the character is super memorable. Like just as memorable as Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. in that movie. So a good sort of antithesis to the to the hero. Another great great pick. There's there's a little pressure on you here, Darren, because you got a turn coming up as well. Actually, you got the eighth and then the the ninth. I forgot to warn you. Yeah, that, that that's all good. No. This one, um, I'm going. I'm going down my list a little bit for this one, just because Branko got me thinking a little bit. And um, this one, I don't know if it's so much. I think it's the storyline of the character that that gets gets me on this one. And I also like the actor before his fall from grace, but uh, it's Kevin Spacey and it's uh, Kaiser Solse and the Usual Suspects. Oh, like, I, nice! I, like that's such a twist mm-hmm. in like. It's memorable. Like you just see him walking out of that that police station. You see the guy flip his mug over, and he sees Kaiser Sose, and then it's just that limp that ever so slightly leaves, and then he gets in that fucking jag and just gone. You know what I mean? Like that is just like the that was like, you had me. Great. Fuck you. Like see you later. Great. Love that. I didn't even think. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So that 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 that's my guy, and then I guess uh, the other one. Um, I'm sure. Um, I don't know how to explain this one. This one was just, it's one of those movies. Um, I know we could go show or whatever, but I'm going movie again. And, um, I don't know. It's just an iconic character in my opinion. And it brings me back to like, cause I'm, I'm a cop movie kind of guy. I like that kind of stuff. I like the action, but it's uh, Denzel Washington with, uh, Alonzo Harris in training day. Like he's like that ultimate, like gangster thug, but like. You don't see it. Um, like, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Like, I think maybe it's because it's the first time I was exposed to Denzel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember many movies before that of Denzel's, and then after that, it just like Denzel everything. I think he's just a fun, fantastic actor. Period. But there's um, something good. There's something good about a gangster who just believes they're untouchable, right? Like, yeah. there's so many examples of gangsters believing they're untouchable, and like, yeah, that, that a character, and, yeah. yeah. That character yeah. is a perfect example and real nasty. It's mm-hmm. real nasty stuff. There. And it, his his death scene is pretty sweet too, and he just gets like obliterated by machine guns. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, good. No. Oh, okay. Back to you, Big Round. Hmm. All right, this is a tough choice, but I have two picks left, and I don't think you guys will take. My other, actually, I don't think I don't think you guys are gonna take either of these. This might be a little bit off the beaten track, but I I wanted to include this guy from the 1993 masterpiece starring Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger. Oh, <laughs> the main villain in that movie is John Lithgow. If you remember <laughs> that, no, nope. and he's just. Oh, yeah. Oh, but you know John Lithgow, Third Rock of yeah. the Sun, like just that, yeah, like that voice of his. Yeah. He just played the perfect villain in that movie. He was such a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> Eric Quaylen was his name in that movie, and he had convinced that federal agent Travers, Travers or whatever his name was, Tucker or something like that, and he just. <laughs> He's bad through and through. So when Stallone finally uh, throws him off the side of the mountain, it's pretty sweet as well. <laughs> so I'm going, yeah. John, let's go in uh, Cliffhanger. I like it. That's fantastic. Um, 
the I gotta say like the '90s villains from some of these action movies. I I don't want to mention too many in case somebody's got them on their list, but like they were they were really good and like classically trained actors that went up there and like they were nasty pieces of work. And so that's a that's a good pick. Um, I am dipping into the animal kingdom, and oh, I am I'm going with a a villain that was just relentless and would not give up the vengeful task that he took on of obliterating a perfectly innocent seaside family. And I'm going with Jaws because (laughs) his demise at the end of that movie and the way they had to make him basically eat dynamite and the back of a boat (laughs) to explode him. And then the fact that the franchise somehow managed to like resurrect Jaws to let him to continue to chase this family down and kill. Like, I just thought Jaws existed. Sharks existed everywhere. If I was in fresh water, there were sharks there. And so <laughs> I'm going with, uh, I'm going with my animal kingdom pick of Jaws. Dude, I like it. Uh, okay. I got, uh, I got a bunch here. I, I don't know where to go with this, uh, but okay. Uh, uh, so for what pick of the, what pick is this? Eleven and Ryan. Uh, you are twelve, and then thirteen. Twelve and thirteen. Okay, so for my twelfth pick, I don't know if you guys would have seen this movie, but he's a very, very scary dude in this movie, and uh, seems like sort of indestructible but uh in a very human way uh it's from no country for old men the guy's name is anton sugar it's played by uh, javier bardem and he's got this like uh his choice of killing people is either this huge silencer and like a on like a shotgun or this like big old gun or he's got this other thing which is like a uh, like a a compressor or something like it's this like air compressor yeah what is it darren it's like an air compressor and he like yeah air compressor with this like little bit at the end that just fuck just annihilates people and he's scary as hell and he uses a coin to decide whether he's gonna kill you or not and he asks people to call it and like they don't even know what they're calling for and uh he's just a very spooky guy he's got a weird weird like kind of like bowl cut haircut thing going on and just just looks like a guy from your nightmares basically um and and the way yeah the way that he's portrayed in the movie really spooks the hell out of you um and yeah his his name is anton sugar so it's uh it kind of adds to the whole uh villain persona it's just a weird ass name uh and then my last good little good little date movie that'll get the girls cuddling up real close because it's a a nasty piece of work that one yeah that's right (laughs) And my last one that I just I just really love this character because he really hams it up. It's another comedy movie that I've chosen, but <laughs> I chose Dean Pritchard from Old School, who's played by Jeremy Piven. And I just find that character so grating because he's just against fun and against anything like to do with like anything good and happy. And he just tries to sabotage like the the main character's fun of having like a house on property that's like a fraternity but like does nothing for the school and he's just constantly a thorn in their side and it just 
uh, just a perfect asshole character and just a great, great, uh, a, gr- a great uh, villain for, for, for my money and a, and a movie that I, I love as well. So, yeah, I like That's that one. Awesome. Yeah. All right. For my uh, final pick, I'm, uh, I'm going to see if I can surprise you guys, but I'm going for a villain. Uh, actually, it's a pair, so you might, you might give me shit for this, but oh. I'm going for some villains that, uh, that think big. Uh, they wanted it all, and they were relentless in their efforts. Uh, it's also I'm I'm dipping into the TV side, and the animation side, and I'm going with Pinky and the Brain because <laughs> these two guys, every Saturday morning, never let you down. They were going to try to take over the world, and no matter how sideways their efforts went, it was always entertaining to watch these two morons. Really give it a good go, and and it was one of my favorites as a kid. So I'm going That's with a great show, Pinky and the Brain from the Animaniacs. If Animania. you had to choose, Ryan, between Pinky or the Brain, who was your favorite? I mean, I was always a Pinky guy. Oh, look at me, man! Come on, I, I'm not the Brain. I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the one to be picking uh, the genius out of the pair. But it was just so good that the Brain always took pity on him, and he never just put Pinky out of his misery because it was so good that he'd mess it up every single time. The best. The best. I love it. No qualms from me there. All right. Uh, okay, my last pick. I'm, I'm going to go into the comedy genre as well as Branko had for another Adam Sandler movie. One that is equally dear to our hearts, but... <laughs> The villain in Billy Madison, Eric Eric Gordon is his name in the in the movie, and we could all picture his stupid face and just how like whether it's the contest in the school auditorium at the end with the questions, <laughs> or him blackmailing the uh, elementary school principal who was the former wrestler that killed a man by sitting on his head and couldn't be near children. <laughs> but that Eric Gordon character is such a guy that you love to hate as well. I'm going him from Billy Madison. Weasel Good laugh. Pick, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like mine. Real nasty character. And well, uh and Darren buddy, you get to button us up here. Yeah, you guys you guys left me some choices here on, on my list. Um I don't know where I want to go, but uh, I guess that this this character, um, I don't know, haunts your dreams. Um, it's probably the first like thriller, scary movie I ever saw, and I didn't see it when it came out. Like I saw it years later because I was. A, probably too young, and B, just too chicken shit to watch it and just hear the stories of it. And um, when you see it, it's not like it's scary, but like the, the character is just so dark and like whatever. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal Lecter. Like, oh, like that that guy just like, like – even now, like I went to, we went to dinner with Lauren on Saturday night. We went to a nice, a nice time – dinner 
she ordered a, a can a Chianti or whatever fucking wine, and right away it's like a, you know, like a, you do you do that sound right away because it's like I like yeah. to have my liver with a can, you know, and you you just it's like iconic. It's in your head. You hear that 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 type of grape and wine, and you're just like you do the Hannibal Lecter instinctively. Like it's in my head, and it, it resonates with you. So like a character that like can have that effect on you is like. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of a haunting and be like, the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, that was amazing acting too because yeah, just it's so real. The, the way he like he just gave you the yeah. creep. Yeah. Oh, the heebie-jeebies, man! Like when he gets wheeled in the courtroom there, like that mask, and he's just like chained to the fucking dolly. Like that's wild. <laughs> like he's just so dangerous, right? He's so yeah. dangerous the whole time, and but you don't know what that potential is. He's so awful. The yeah, way he's treated. And, yeah. and it's all it's, the, it's just the way he does talk to you like he could he could convince you with just word he would just play with your mind to get his way and then just murder you you know what i mean like yeah. it's fucking wild. the psychology behind it is what made the movie so good right like yeah whereas some of the other scary movies from our youth you know uh the halloween series the freddy krueger series like nightmare on elm street series the chucky series it was obvious Whereas this yeah. one was a thinker, and and you're right, it it gets to you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, I love that's it. All. Thanks. That's an intimidating list, guys. We got some uh, some good villains on there. I figure, you know, what we'll do real quick is rather than just sort of talking about any, if anybody's got one or two that they adore or that they're kind of surprised didn't make the list, uh, you can just sort of shout them out. Now, I had Mr. Burns on mine. I was sort of. I was gonna pop I, that out. Yeah, Mr. yeah. Burns. I was sort of surprised yeah. he didn't get uh, get popped. And then I had uh, Scar from The Lion King. Yeah. Lion King. Guy kills his brother. Come on. And uh, <laughs> and then the other one I had was uh, rather than the T Rex from Jurassic Park, I went with the Raptors because that kitchen scene. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. It always uh, it always gets me going. But yeah. uh, anybody else got a couple they want to throw up? Yeah, I had uh, the one I was debating between on my last one was, like I said, Dean Pritchard, but I also thought about <laughs> Harry and Marv from Home Alone. Yes, I thought those guys, you son of a bitch. Yeah, those, those, guys are, uh, those guys are sweet because they're so inept, but also just like such clowns and uh, such funny villains. And then the other one I had was like, Newman's not a, not really a villain, but like he's kind of Jeremy's foil and... Or sorry, not Jeremy, Jer- Jerry Seinfeld's foil in Seinfeld. Okay. And I, th- I thought that was also kind of a joke. So, do do any do any of you guys have the Home Alone going for the kids on Christmas right now? Like, is that is that something that your kids are watching? Oh, not yet. No, no. Not, not yet? yet? Okay, so what like Gavin, like, do you have Noah watching any of that stuff yet? No way. No, no, no. No. Okay. So like Gavin's at that age. So it's like, we've started it and it's like, a, it's like a tradition now. So like three days before Christmas, we start watching like Home Alone 1 and then like Christmas Eve is like oh, Home Alone 2 sweet. and then like it oh, goes through. Nice. Oh, it's so, it's. Isn't man, there like I, four Home Alones? Isn't like. Yeah. I, I lose interest after two. I don't watch the other ones, but the first two and I'm just like, cause they get to pick, like we watch like Elf, the Grinch, like the, the Jim Carrey Grinch or whatever. But like he always had like it's I don't know if it's because it was like maybe a core memory of watching Home Alone one at Christmas time that it's like he has to fucking watch it 
he has to watch the first two awesome. at a minimum. So we always get our Harry and Marv fill, and I fucking die every time. It's so good. It's so awesome. good. Number two, when, he throw, when they throw the brick down the, the garbage chute is maybe the hardest I've laughed in any movie in my life. He takes three to the face. So violent. Like, it's so hard to do that. It's just goddamn brick in his face like god it's so good or the first one when he takes the crowbar to the chest because of the spider oh, in his chest god. the one the one i could always feel was when he's uh walking up the stairs and the the tar sucks oh. his sock off and then he puts his foot right through that nail and you can just yeah. feel it you can feel it it's like ah. Yeah. <laughs> But oh, a... uh, those are great. Ron, did Google have any you want to share with us? Or <laughs> uh, I, I, sorry, I just had to look up because that guy is like a villain. I, I forgot his name, but I, I just Daniel Stern because he was in that movie Celtic Pride, which is also he was a villain in that movie because remember he like kidnapped one of the Wayans brothers who was like the star basketball player. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Pesci is a good one too. It's so funny you bring up Daniel Stern because, like, I can't re remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but his name, like, came up somehow. And you know what movie he directed that I had no idea was Rookie of the Year. No way. Like, he directed, oh. he's, he's also in that movie as, like, the, the, the quirky, like, I don't even know if he's, like, the... base coach or something. Yeah. He's, like, a coach or he's, like, a like equipment manager or something and locks himself in the locker. Or in the the I don't even know, but he directed that movie, and I, it's funny you brought up Daniel Stern because he also looks like our friend Troy, but uh, in that movie, but um, <laughs> it's just it's, it's, it's the comedy in those movies is just like endless, mm. and they're bad villains. So, well, let's leave it at Darren, that. Darren, it sounds like we covered a couple for you. You uh, you got any left on your list that you want to share? Oh no, the, you got you guys. I can't top that, man. Like All right. the Harry and Marv wasn't even in my realm. Like I didn't even think about it. Like I, I, I brought up the Grinch. Like I love the Grinch and I love Jim Carrey's acting in that. But like Harry and Marv, what a great call. Didn't even cross my radar. Really? Love good. it. Love it. Love it. Awesome chat, guys. We're gonna take a little break and we're coming right back with uh with our third segment. All right, guys, we're back. Thanks for sticking around and and for this segment. We're kind of we're gonna have a almost an extended get off my lawn with a bit of an old man gripe. Uh, old man winter has arrived and it is cold as balls out there. The yeah. snow is coming, so we we posed each other a few questions for sort of shuffling around the neighborhood and and the first one I'll start with and I'll I'll kind of kick it to you three before before I chime in. But the first question for us is uh, shoveling age like. When do our old asses stop shoveling and, and finally either pay for snow removal or is it just uh, uh, go with the snowblower all the time, even for that one or two inches when I kind of chuckle at the neighbors and can't believe he pulled out his snowblower to, to do that. But heart heart conditions and heart attacks, they're a real thing up here. So what's, uh, what's our age for, for giving up the old plastic shovels? I'll go first, and if I don't mind, um, or if you don't mind, but uh, my shovel's gone already. Like I'm not even oh, forty, yeah. <laughs> and that thing's gone. Like that's straight up gone. Like it's when I moved into this new house, it was like mom, dad, like um, 
don't buy me a Christmas present for the next like 15 years and just buy me a snowblower. And that's my <laughs> house on my gift. Like that's what it was. And I snowblow the fuck out of my yard all day, every day. Like there's no, I think I shovel the front step and then I push it. Like it, I'm the, to the point where like the snowbank right now is what? Like a foot and a half, maybe. I just push it and then I get the snowblower to blow it over the foot and a half. Like I'm not throwing it. Like, <laughs> that. Forget it. I'm 39 years old and I'm, I've come to that. Like, no, no, no forget you like it's it's all i'll pay the extra nine dollars in supreme gas to do this like i don't care and it sounds like you really enjoy it too you enjoy like blowing it all around and and you got the ring in the backyard too so well fuck i told gavin last year we had that big dump i think like late january last year and i swear to god if we didn't have a snowblower the rink would have been done in january because like there was it was like it was like two feet of snow in one dump. I'm like, there's no yeah. one shoveling this. Like, no, no friggin' way. But no, actually, Ron, now that you're talking about it, like we're we're not doing the rink this year just because um, the backyard's still kind of beat up for the for the pad for the pool. Okay. And um, the way the the way the last summer, well, sorry, the last winter went, I think we only got like maybe three weeks of like good ice. Yeah. So I wanted was, to and, and with the. Yeah, and the, the way they're predicting this this winter was like possibly a lot of snow, but warm temperatures. So I was like, I'm not going to risk it and do all that prep work and put up the lights and fucking put up the mesh and all that shit for for like yeah. two weeks. Yeah, like and not, you're not already on the it. ice so much too. No, makes sense. It, that was yeah, that was the catalyst that like or the straw that broke the camel's back was like if I'm on the ice three to four times a week, like what's the point? Like it's more for Lila at this point than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny though. Yeah. You don't even, I mean, I still have what I got myself cause I haven't been fortunate enough to enter the snowblow world yet. Although I do have an old shitty one that my neighbor gave me that he insists still works and I haven't been able to get it to work, but that's the part. <laughs> you need to call Bob over. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, get this thing working. But, uh, it's the scoops. The snow scoops oh, are yeah, yeah. actually pretty sweet at the start of the year before you have the big snow banks when you can just push it out on the lawn. But like yeah. I, I'm at a point too where it's like, ah, man, like I, uh, I worked with a guy, this is probably going back five or six years now, who was in his mid 40s and it was a wet snow, that heavy snow. And, uh, you know, sad to say, but he, he, had a heart attack right there in his driveway yep. and he was probably mid forties. So it is real. And yep. as, as much as we do think we're still in good shape and fit and we're not obese, like, man, there's something about shoveling snow that'll get you. So I don't know. I, I just try to use that big scoop thing now and not be a hero, but I haven't entered the snowblow world yet, but I do think there is an age where it's just like, man, don't even bother. Get us do it. you're gonna you're you're gonna get an instant woody man like it's great great. (laughs) like it's it's so good it's so good and like you have little competitions with yourself like am i in the right gear to blow this the farthest it can fucking go like and then you just start trying (laughs) to do yourself with like the range of your thing and these snowblowers are so good now that like oh i like you don't get snow you don't get like Oh, here I'll put it. I'll make it a health and safety issue. You don't even get the high snow banks anymore. So you, when you're backing out of your driveway, you're not going to get sideswiped by someone coming down, speeding through your street. You know, Downs views it as a dangerous 
dangerous street. Lots of bends on that thing. You know what I mean, Merle? So I know. you're backing out with a high snowbank and you're in your little, you know, Mazda or whatever. You can't see over the snowbank. Oh, yeah. But if you got a snowblower, you don't have that six foot, seven foot snowbank, you know, because you've blown it on your neighbor's roof. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking Blow awesome. right up my neighbor's, neighbor's tailpipe. <laughs> I mean, Frank's buddy, like when you guys, because you're looking for a place right now. Yeah. You're going to love Auto, that. Hey, Branko, there's I mean, a house on my street. How much are you doing someone? in Hamilton? Yeah, there's not a lot of snow here, honestly. Even if we had a house, I don't think it would be too stressful. But I'm I'm of uh, of the mind like you guys. Like I'd probably either get a service or get a snow snowblower. It's just not worth the the risk. Like I do, I I don't mind it if it's like a light light snow. But when you get that like heavy wet snow and it's you know six seven eight inches, you're probably better off just you know getting somebody to do it for you and you know it's another way to like you know fill somebody else's pockets make sure they're they're eating too so um i'm not too too uh stressed about you know spending a couple bucks on having somebody clean my driveway but you know i'm I'm also not too good to clean my own driveway i'm i'd be happy to invest in like a machine it just there's so much less snow here than in, in Ottawa. It's, 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 it's quite drastic in that, inter, in that term. So I feel like I would just probably get, you know, a machine would probably serve me better than paying somebody to, to do it. The, the one thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say, and, and Darren, you can maybe attest to this, but when Megan and I started having boys, I was like, sweet, got driveway shovelers, but I'm still a good, uh, good 10 years from that because right now the only thing they really like to do is walk over to the snow banks and then spread the snow back on the driveway so that they can <laughs> watch me shovel it or push it around which isn't uh isn't my favorite thing to watch them do but maybe one day they'll start uh start actually pushing it over that over that snow bank and I, they're I have, of shit. yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> um i have a snowblower um it was an old one I pulled the rip cord out of it and uh, haven't gotten around to repairing it. But it looks like you need was, a new snowblower too. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Bob. I uh, I did always find though, like, and I it sounds like Darren, you really use yours, but I found I was only really using mine twice a year, right? Like I I would shovel the driveway for anything less than five five centimeters, you know, even on like a light when the snow is light and fluffy and it's cold and 10 centimeters, whatever, just chuck it around. Um, but I, uh, I really only pulled a snowblower out, yeah, twice a year. So I guess yeah. I wasn't using it enough, obviously. Yeah, like my, my lane is like Ron's. Like it can fit like four cars, like easy parked, right? So it's like, I'd be like you, bro. I'd push it, but then like to lift it and throw it, like fuck that. Like that's what this Toro's for. Like that's what I got this <laughs> And, and it's the same thing, but like a question to you three, well, Branko, not so much you because you, you're not at that or have this problem, I guess, but have you guys even like entertained or even looked to see what like, because like everybody around me is like 900 years old. Like my entire street is like death, like on death's door, all of them. So they all have like capital service or whatever, fuck. So Branko, there actually is a house up for sale like down the street. So if you're looking in Ottawa, bud, to come yeah. back home, like, come on yeah. down. On to Canada, and I know who Noah's coach will be for sure. But yeah, um, yeah. um, have any of you guys ever looked into like 
pricing for a year? Like, what, I don't. Even, I wouldn't even know what it costs to have someone come do your driveway. Like, six hundred bucks a year is that the? Would you would you do it for six hundred bucks? Like, I don't even know. I think it's around. It could be around there, depending on uh, your neighborhood and your lane and how, you know, some of the guarantees a company might give. I think that's in the ballpark. I think we've paid four hundred fifty bucks, five hundred bucks for some of the rental units so yeah i don't know no i'm i'm not there yet i would i would rather just put it off a few years and and save up that money for a, a snowblower per se you know yeah what does a new snowblower cost like 1500 bucks two grand i'd say a, i say a good like two foot wide or like a 32 inch yeah probably like 15 to 1800 i'd say like for like a decent one yeah, but like so maybe I'll shovel my lane for a couple more years and then I'll buy one instead of getting the service. Well, it only takes one heart attack, Ron. It just takes the one. Yeah, I got the scoop. Is that the scoop nice you... and gently? You just push it out. <laughs> <laughs> just ask Logan about that because you we have a co- we had a coworker the same story as you, Ron. Like, you know, first day semi retirement and heart attack central. Him and his neighbor both passed away on the same fucking driveway. Wow. But like, uh, yeah, he, he he well, his name was Andre. He didn't pass away um i don't want to get all morbid and everything but um he actually passed away doing the cpr he had a heart attack doing cpr to the neighbor trying to oh, save wow. him. yeah it's a wild story it's a like, and the two of them are just there in the driveway wow yeah it was like an like the, the gentleman who was originally shoveling was like older than andre and andre wasn't in good health to begin with like he shouldn't have been shoveling anyway but he's like oh, i'll go help him because this guy shouldn't be doing it and he dropped and so he went to go resuscitate him and then he dropped and then yeah like it, it, wow. it's, it's a wild wild story yeah yeah you should ask logan about it too like logan uh yeah it, it was wild it was like his first day of semi-retirement too january was 7th Andre, was he the guy the main guy in the office was you he... got it the brick guy yeah the sales guy. I'm, I'm, yeah. Wow. yeah yeah his actually his son won some like hot 89 thing like a couple years later it was pretty wild but anyway um yeah, that's a wild story. But yeah, the snowblower, man. Oh, every chance I get. Yeah, I mean, we're that age, right? So this is a, a good thing for us to start thinking about. But the, ne- yeah. the next thing on my list here is, you know, you're looking up and down your street, looking around your neighborhood. Christmas is over. It's distinctly <laughs> over. But, you know, how do we feel about, you know, lights up, lights on, strings up, and then we can get into trees. That's an, that's another question, but let's just talk about when we're looking up and down the street. Who who's got a gripe to pick with uh, some neighbor that leaves their lights up year round? Let's hear you. My, my lights are up and not on. Fuck that. I'm not climbing a ladder at minus twenty two in January to pull them off. Like I just told you, I don't shovel like two centimeters. So like <laughs> like fuck, I'm climbing a ladder. But <laughs> but what? Okay, but let me let me. Can I twist it on you, bro? Yeah. What about those guys with those the, the the new style like the perma lights that go in the soffit and they have like the multicolored, you know what I mean? Like they're permanently in there and they change them and they keep them all winter long on like that rainbow fucking Santa Claus shit. What do you well, think? Well, this about is those? it. Like mm. There's so much new stuff out there that people are just they're either leaving it up or leaving it on all the time. I yeah. I'll admit minor minor up and and we do turn ours on because the boys ask. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. When, when we come home at night, Oliver's a little, he's a little like, oh, the lights aren't on. And so then we got to open yeah. the garage and turn them on. And then he gets all excited. So, you know, we yeah. still do turn them on. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not coming down until there's no snow on the ground. That's for yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Mine are still on. Mine are still on. I I I I got them on a timer, and they come on every night at four thirty, and they turn off. <laughs> And they're gonna go until March. <laughs> the inflatable Santa on the roof. The inflatable Santa on the roof pops up. And... Uh, that's the first thing. I, okay, I should. I should. I digress. Like we had a one of those reindeer fucking things with the rear Rudolph nose at the front door. Yeah, that fucker's gone. That guy. That guy got ripped off the wall, and he's in the basement in his home. But like the Christmas light, the Christmas lights stay. But like, I I feel both of you like. You know, the kids are at that age where, like, they like the lights and they're they're big on it. But, like, for personally, like, Lila liked the reindeer. But once I got rid of the reindeer, she didn't give a shit about the lights. Like, uh, okay. forgot about it, right? So, yeah. I'm, I'm indifferent to people leaving them on. But for me, it's like, I'm not... I'm not one of those guys that like has the time where I got to go outside like you, Burl, and, like, plug in the garage and get cold and... No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I guess uh, you can. Why don't you lead us off for our next one? The tree. What's your feeling on on that Christmas tree? Leaving it up. How long is it staying up? How? Uh, what's the permittable amount? Uh, I'm, I'm of the. Yeah, I'm of the mind. Get it, get it out as soon as the holidays over. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, why are we hanging on to this thing? Like, we. we... I just want to get it out of here and get it out of my sight. Granted, we have a we have a plastic tree and like. That thing just needs to go away. But Tina loves to, <laughs> she loves to linger and kind of like likes having it up. So I'm just having to tolerate it until she gives me the green light to put it away. And I'm more than happy to stuff it in that box for the next season. So, you're still up, right? That, 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 Yours isn't still up. I mean, no, no, no. Okay. No, no, we, we don't have but it. Does it, make it, it was like we had a tiny Does it here. make it till New Year's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does it last till? Yeah, I, yeah, it wasn't much. If it was till New Year's, not much past. It. Like it was like when we went back to work that week, like on the weekend. I think maybe I put it away. <laughs> okay, all right, legit. And we also don't have t- tons of room, so it's like we need we need that precious space that the tree occupies. So, um, yeah. you know, maybe when we have a house, I'll be a little bit more lenient, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or more lazy. I don't know. Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I try to argue and leave my tree up as long as possible. But like in my house, like long as possible is like December twenty eighth. Like Jess would rather just take that thing down. Like, yeah, Boxing Day if she has, <laughs> which is not like her. She likes all the other Christmas uh, decorations, you know, around the house, the classier decorations. Let's say, you know. Um, but yeah, are you a real tree guy? No, we we've been a fake tree. Like, I actually, I I think I need to get a new fake tree. (laughs) (laughs) The lights, the lights stop working. Like some of the, some of the sections of the tree, the lights would flicker. And then like some days they'd work. Like I'm I'm starting to see why Jess wants the tree down. (laughs) (laughs) Stop putting it in the front window of your newly renovated house. For next year, I'll get you a new tree. Christmas, yeah, Christmas, you <laughs> filthy animal. There we go. Yeah, buddy, how you feel about those trees? Uh, well, I, I'm I fight Lauren every year because she's she's at the adage now where she wants the fake tree, but I like the real tree. Like I like going out to Thomas Tree Farm and like making an afternoon of it. I don't know. 
I, I don't know if it's a childhood core memory for me or not, but like, I also like the smell of it. Like I find it, you can smell it more. Yeah. But, uh, for me, it's like, as soon as the thing starts losing pedals, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like we, this one this year, for whatever reason, it died really quick. So I feel like the 28th, she was gone. Wow. But yeah. uh, normally we try and keep it up like through New Year's and like like Branko, same thing. It's like as soon as you start going back to work that weekend before you go back and go back to school and all that stuff, it's like it's down and gone. But uh, I'm I'm fighting I'm fighting for um, the real tree. I, I think I'm gonna get a couple more winters out of it before I, I have to cave. And the kids are too old and don't care to go on a sleigh ride and <laughs> the shit. But um, for now, that that's I'm fighting it. <laughs> you're coming you're cutting a real tree and that's it that's fine that's it this is we're gonna it. have a good time yeah <laughs> well it's, it's nice for you know what it's not it's nice for my parents too like my mom my mom and tom usually come out and like um they, they we make like an afternoon of it right like you you get free hot chocolate you get the cookie you sit by the campfire you you know you do those little things and it's yeah, yeah. I, I don't know it's like you you guys are gonna you guys are are there or going to get there with your kids being like super fucking busy. And like the only time your parents kind of see your kids is when they're doing their thing. They don't get time to hang out with them. So like I, I, I view it as like, okay, you're not coming to watch Gavin play hockey or baseball. You're not watching Lila do cheer. You're just like genuinely hanging out with your grandkid. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's, it's a different kind of hang. And I, I guess I kind of like that more than, you know, not having that and just coming to a hockey rink and watching your grandson just fucking dummy kids. So. <laughs> I was I was about to ask Darren like, does it cost you more to go out, cut it down yourself, and hump it back? Or hundred percent. Obviously, it obviously sounds like it does because it's, it's. Oh yeah, it's like a hundred dollars a tree. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous what a tree costs. It's like. Like put it this way, like think about these tree farms, man. They work for like three weeks a year, and they're driving Audis and fucking Beamers and shit. It's like, yeah, you're making bank, you know what I mean? But um, it it is what it is. Like Lauren bought a little fake one here for the staircase when you walk in our front door. It's like this tall, skinny, fucking. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like I don't know. I, I I'm just gonna fight it until the kids really hate going in the snow. No, that's, that's nice. Yeah. 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 What about you, Brad Chop? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not cool anymore. You, Darren, it uh, it kicked it pretty fast and, and was getting pe- and needles and pedals everywhere. And then Rody kept kind of grabbing the thing and shaking it because the pedals would, the the needles would drop <laughs> off of it. So it was like this this moose is gonna pull this tree down, or we better just get rid of it. So <laughs> I think it was it was gone on like the 28th as well. But we yeah. do try and leave it up. We try and make it to New Year's, right? But we get yeah. the live ones, so if they're making a mess, they go. Yeah, as soon as, soon as like, you know, you, like where ours is, it's in the playroom, family room, whatever room. And Gavin, all he does is play mini sticks. So as soon as the ball, like, goes off the crossbar or whatever and then bounces back and hits the tree and it just starts shattering everywhere, it's like, all right, this, this we're done with this. This, yeah. is, this is ridiculous. Like, the Dyson can only do so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one for uh, for the night, boys, and we'll button this thing up. Keep it on the tracks. Anybody, anybody, laugh at some of these resolutions or hate some of these fucking resolutions? And did you guys think of any resolutions you wanted to talk about for uh, for this twenty twenty four? Put it put it in the in the record 
as something we need to hold your feet to for the next uh, 365. So any resolutions you laugh at and any resolutions you actually try and take seriously? Franco, I feel like you got some resolutions. You're yeah. a resolution man. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, ta- I was telling you guys, obviously, about uh, exercising and trying to do a bit more than uh, my my standard one one or two hockey skates a week. But, yeah, uh, trying to go to the gym every day for at least 30 minutes, whether it's, like, riding the bike or lifting weights and seeing how long I can go uh, before I, I give up on it. But that's been... Uh, yeah just health like just trying to stay healthy is is the big one and we have a our second kid on the way pretty soon so i just want to be able to be you know um limber and spry for all the different amounts of uh tossing my kids and wrestling them and picking them up while i have a bunch of other bags on my back um i'd like to be able to be uh you know able to do all those things and then uh i guess another one uh, that might be a little harder with uh, another one on the way, but I really want to try to break par this year at golf. I, I came close a few times last year and completely uh, just ev- evaporated my dreams uh, at, at different points on, on the course. So uh, hopefully I can keep it together this year and, and get a good crack at it and, and break par for the first time in my life. So those are sort of like uh, some high level ones uh, that that uh, I'm willing to share. And I, I wonder if you guys have anything uh, similar or not similar at all. My, mine are similar. I don't, and I, I don't really like follow the new year's resolution, like, bandwagon like writing things down right at the new year starting right away that's not never really been my thing maybe it should be maybe it would help me in some ways but anyway i'm not there yet but i do have some goals for golf um i i would like to be i think it's achievable to to maybe shave five or six strokes off my handicap this year i think i could get down to around a 11 or 12. I, I think that's attainable. I'm sure, I'm sure as shit watching enough golf things on YouTube to, to get me there. That's basically it for me. And I, I do try to do some more stretching and eat less raw ground beef at night to try to be healthier. Oh. So. <laughs> what, a, what a great story. <laughs> But that's 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 basically it for me. It's about golf. That's all. That's all I care about. <laughs> and you, Darren, any uh, any great uh, ideas for this year? Uh, less rage in the locker room. No, um, <laughs> no. There, there's there's not a lot. I, I'm kind of like with the Ron thing. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a big like. Hey, January first, like. What the fuck can I fuck up in my life and change? But um, <laughs> no, but like Ron said, you know, like stretching and and, and you know, Branko alluded to too. Um, like for me, it's there's a bit of a backstory, but Gavin's got this friend who's a high end soccer player kind of kid, and he has this six pack, and he was showing off at school over the summer or like the fall or whatever. And Gavin's like, how do I get this? And so I told him, this is like what you have to do to to, to train. And we started talking about it. So now he does these like push-ups, sit-ups, air squats, like calf raises, like all on his own, like whatever. And 
So the other night I'm like, let's have like, let's, let's have a plank off. I'm going to plank like whatever. And I like, he went like a minute and 45 seconds. And I was like, my legs were shaking. My arms were shaking, but I'm like, I'm not losing to a fucking nine year old. Like, fuck <laughs> like, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. You fucking won. I won. But like, as soon as he quit, I quit. Like it was done. Like, I'm done. But like, that made me like realize like, Jesus Christ, my fat ass has to start doing something. So like I, I'm like you guys, like I'm just gonna start doing some, some just stuff with him because it's also like if I want him to continue to do these things, like it makes it more like a family type thing. Like, oh, if Dad does it, I'll do it. You know, and it's, I like it's a that. good, right? Yeah. You know, like he's putting the effort in. Like, why don't I do it with him? And then he, maybe he'll stick with it, and then it becomes like, um, like Arnold. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not saying that he's gonna be fucking ripped to shit and taking steroids and stuff, but yeah. <laughs> like it, it becomes like second nature, right? Like if you yeah. don't know any different, right? It's like being born blind or going blind. It's it's it's, it's different. Like if if he doesn't know any other way than training this way, then you know, is that necessarily a bad thing? I I don't think so. So why not do it with him and make it like father son time? That's just fun and like it doesn't suck to like be healthy and like oh, train. That's sweet yeah it's yeah. just that rivalry too right he's gonna yeah, push, we'll push. To, yeah and then you likewise for yourself you don't want yeah like it, it's pretty disgusting the stuff he does like decline like push-ups he can do like 25 at a set at a time like off a, off a couch yeah. and i'm just like that's that's not right like i can't do like seven of those i just threw up in my mouth a little bit <laughs> oh god that sounds so hard yeah as we sip on our ryan cokes like it's just like jesus exactly. reevaluate life choices what about you bro chop <laughs> uh well uh i've been talking with megan for a while and i've i've quit drinking so i'm gonna i'm gonna ride that train i'm gonna do it longer than just a dry gen and just sort of see how how long i can ride that train for i think it's good you're gonna go straight edge uh, I'm going to try for a little I've while. I've definitely thought about it. Uh, no, I'm asking because I've definitely thought about it. I was like, what am I missing if I give up booze? Yeah, you know? exactly. I like it. Do it, and, please. Uh, and my thing was like, God, it seemed like, and you guys can attest to this, it just seemed like I'd get together with people that I hadn't seen in a long time. And like the first thing we'd sort of reminisce about is like a time that I was totally blotto completely fucked up acting a complete school <laughs> probably like shirtless and yelling at people and then i think back and i was like shit that was like three years ago i was 35 like it's uh, it's not like it's not as if that was my 20s and i was you know so i'm kind of i'm kind of looking to to reverse a, a trend that i feel as though i've set is i gotta have a little more control at the very least when uh, when I am drinking, so I'm gonna start with nothing and and maybe see how I can figure out how to do this a little more reasonably. And then the other thing that I wanted to just quickly talk about was like this time last year, talking to Megan and and just sort of the, the season getting to me. And I said I wanted to talk to my friends more and be around the guys more. And and we came up with this idea, and it's it's been so much fun. And it, it's been a year of doing this, and it's it's really exciting what it is and how much joy it sort of brings, you know, even the, the new guys that weren't participating when we first had that conversation, right? Like having Darren on and, and all the other guys that have joined us has been so cool. So sort of keeping up with this and then the design stuff, I think I'm getting better at every time I sort of put something out and 
I feel like I'd like to readdress the t-shirt and the hat stuff and, and see if I can get something out that, that could be successful. So just keep working on the design stuff and keep working on this and having fun, you know? Amen, oh, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, man. Hell yeah. Like this, this thing, like when you guys started it, it was like, you know, I remember listening to episode one and uh, it was just like, man, these guys got something here. Like whether, whether you, whether it goes anywhere or it's just like for, for the crew, it's, it's awesome. And I'm so, I'm so happy you guys stuck with it and I'm obviously thrilled to be on it, but like whether I was or not, it's just like, it's cool to, to listen to you guys. And, and to hear your perspective on all kinds of stuff. And I, I hope this goes places because obviously all three of you guys are stand-up dudes, but like just, just to like even think of the premise to like, just for the guys to be guys and, and, and to like stay in touch and communicate and, and that camaraderie and, and what have you, like it's, it's cool and good on all three of you, man. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome thing you guys are doing. It's, it's a club, man. We're the grass cutters, man. We add a new dude every time. Like, it's going. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get that beer sponsorship right in time when Ryan goes straight edge. So <laughs> me and Ron will have to split a <laughs> couple cases of beer. There we go. There'll be lots more for you two, you two to drink. But with that, you know what, Troutface, you, you put a button on this uh, on this pod for us tonight. Yeah. So with that, I think it's time to uh, say goodnight. And thanks a lot, guys. It was great. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, I hope to, I hope to get uh, round two uh, whenever you need somebody. I'm I'm always available because uh, I had a blast. You were fantastic, buddy. You were fantastic. <laughs> Take care, Ron Branks. Let's do hey, it boys. again. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We hope you like what the Grasscutter Social Club is putting out there. We can't wait to see you guys again in about a month with a new inductee to the Grasscutter Social Club. If you enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast for any future updates and share with your friends who you think might also enjoy our pod. If you want to follow us on social media, check us out on Instagram at Grasscutter Social Club. Cheers, and until next time, take care.